Ireland Decides with Ivan Yates. Well, uh, since 11 o'clock, you're listening to a News Talk special uh, referendum result. Uh, it has been a man-free zone, uh, with the apologies from myself. Uh, and we've been delighted today on such a, a gender quake and youth quake moment to really celebrate uh, the historical aspect of how decisive the result was for women and women's health yesterday. But there is uh, uh, one man that I had to speak to today, and that was Dr. Peter Boylan. He is not only chairman of the Institute of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, he is a man who has put up with vilification over the last three weeks and dog's abuse. Congratulations. You must personally find as someone who, who, who was the kind of, if I may say so, trusted father figure voice for the Yes campaign, the man to give the reassuring bedside manner of what we're at here and so on. You you must find it in the history of this because you, four decades you've been on about this uh, in your role as, as, as former master of the National Maternity Hospital. You must find it personally very gratifying. Well, I think it's a vindication of all of the efforts that everybody has made, Ivana Bajic and various other people over the years, and I think it's a validation of the experiences of the women who bravely came forward and the couples uh, from the TFMR group, for example, and people like Roshan Ingle, who writes in the Irish Times, and Tara Flynn, who put themselves out there at what is potentially great emotional and personal cost in order to get this uh, to get the stories out there, because it's stories that resonate with people, um, the individual stories of what happened. And I think they had a very powerful influence on turning people's minds in the right direction so that we could have a compassionate solution to the problem of the Eighth Amendment. Looking forward, uh, the Minister has said, I've published the draft legislation, I've got a mandate for this specific set of proposals. He's going to Cabinet on Tuesday. Uh, You're reported on the front page of the Irish Daily Mail, Dr Boylan, women in danger if new law is delayed. What would you like to see as the timetable? Well, I think people went into the referendum with open eyes, wide open eyes, in that the a lot of the debate around the referendum was, in fact, with the proposed legislation. Um, and so people knew exactly, effectively, what they were voting for. So the government clearly has a mandate. And I think, as uh, Ivana Bacic said earlier on, decriminalisation would appear to be the first step um, in pushing forward with this. And apparently that doesn't have to wait uh, until the full legislation is done. Apparently that can be done separately. That's a whole sort of political, legal side of things that I don't fully understand, but I think that probably is the first step. Just on that, the flip side of that, conscientious objectors, we did come across this mm. in the campaign, people working in frontline healthcare who did not want to be involved in terminations. Is that already provided for? Will it need new legislation? That's already provided for anybody who doesn't want to do a particular procedure, and that would happen, for example, with doctors who are unwilling to do um, female sterilisations. They would say, look, I'm, I'm just not comfortable with this. You'll have to go and see another doctor. And under Medical Council guidelines, if you're not comfortable in doing something for somebody who needs it, then you are under an obligation to refer that patient on to somebody else who it will look after them. So that's not a problem in your opinion? No, and there will be conscientious objection to this. That's inevitable. But that's the case right across the world where termination of pregnancy is, is legalised. It's the case I worked in London, for example, during part of my training, and there were conscientious objectors at that time uh, working in hospitals, and it's still the same right across the world. In, in, in terms of the timetable, therefore, do you think uh, there's talks of maybe getting it through before the budget, which would be mid-October, would that be reason? end of the year? What, like, how urgent is urgent? 
Well, there's no the, the, there's no change in legislation when the eighth is repealed. If the Protection of Life and Pregnancy Act still stands, um, but that sets uh, makes difficulties, and we've heard from all of the frontline consultants, Professor Mary Higgins, the Masters of the Hospitals, and people from Cork as well, consultants who are who are working in the in the front line dealing with very complicated pregnancies. And my own experience when I was working, I just retired just at the end of last year. The um, it causes difficulties in that we have to wait and see how sick a woman is and is she really going to die if we don't do a termination because that's what the current legislation says that a termination is only legal if the only alternative to doing the termination is that the woman might die that she has to have a very good chance of dying and that's really not an acceptable way to practice medicine at the moment. Uh, doctors do their best, obviously, um, and uh, there are terminations of pregnancy at the moment, but uh, the legislation as it stands is makes it very difficult for doctors. So the sooner the better, basically. And is this the end of the campaign for you? Uh, for me it is, yes. I mean, the Institute will be ready with various experts in whatever areas the government wants us to, to look at um, in, in terms of uh, guidelines and that sort of thing. So, and expertise if there are questions around legislation and the implications of legislation, particular aspects once they get into the fine details. So there are plenty of experts in, in the Institute who, who are available and willing to, to help. If I could go back to the Clare Byrne Live programme. I was doing my own <laughs> TV programme and I was watching it. Mm. Were you under the cosh? Like, did you ever feel, oh, you know, this is just more than it's worth there? Did you ever feel that you were abused? Like, the abuse was a lot greater in 83. Um, Just tell us your own, like, you're a human being as well. Yes, and I'm, the environments I would normally mix in are not the sort of environments where you get that sort of vitriol hurled at you and being spoken down to, you know, in, in what you hope is going to be a respectful debate. So it was very disappointing, but by the same token, I think it backfired. Were you um, hurt? No, um, no, I'm bigger than that. I mean, it doesn't. Well, there's been know. calls for you to to step down as chairman of the institute. Yeah, I mean that's part of the hurly burly of this sort of um, engagement and this sort of debate. You'll always get this type of thing happening, and for example, in political parties, it happens all the time. So the the profession of obstetrics and gynaecology is a very broad church, and there are people with all views that have to be respected. But it should be emphasised that, of course, the Institute had a position on this, which it didn't have in 1983. And the position of the Institute was very clearly that we supported repeal of the Eighth Amendment. And I think that clearly... So you felt you had a mandate? Absolutely. And I think that was reflected in the way the country voted. And our job is to look after women during pregnancy and gynaecological. But we also have an obligation to, uh, to lobby, if you like, or to advocate on behalf of our patients. And the doctors in practice at the front line clearly felt that this was, that the Eighth Amendment needed to be removed. And that's why they advocated. That's why you saw so many of the people in active practice advocating for removal. Okay. When this is all done and dusted at a political level, could you paint the landscape for me in terms of abortion pills? What do you envisage Mm. people going to their GP as opposed to having Mm. a bleed or an infection in private in their their own Mm. home? Um, What we might expect in terms of the availability of fatal disability prognosis? What might happen in terms of screening? And also, Peter... Are there any circumstances, because, you know, this is something that that David Quinn, my next guest, would like to ask, any circumstances you think an abortion would be refused in Ireland? 
Well, the first thing, you, you mentioned a lot of things there, Ivan. The first thing is that disability is going to be specifically excluded as a grounds for termination of pregnancy, and that's absolutely clear. There has been a massive amount of confusion, um, some of it deliberate, around the ability to screen for disability and to diagnose disability early in pregnancy. And in a practical sense, it's just not possible, and that particularly so since the government proposed the 72-hour pause period between a decision and the actual implementation of the legislation, which leads me on to talk about the use of the pills, Uh, In countries where the pills have been well established, the vast majority of terminations are done at less than nine weeks, in which case a woman would visit her GP, have the discussion, make a decision and then go away and come back three days later, the 72-hour period of pause. She would then get the first pill in the GP surgery and she would get the other pills and she would take them at home some days later and then she would have what would be similar to a natural miscarriage in her own home. Safe in the knowledge that she ran into problems, she could contact her GP without fear and without feeling guilty or without feeling that she was doing something wrong and clearly without it being a criminal act in her own country. So that would allow a lot more comfort and taking the Eighth Amendment out removes a barrier between the patient and the doctor. Now when you come on to terminations beyond 12 weeks, they are only for where there is a serious risk to the health of the woman or where she might die or where there's a fatal fetal abnormality, not a disability, but an abnormality that's fatal. Uh, With a fatal fetal abnormality, it doesn't matter when the baby is born. He or she will die when they're born. And so if if they're delivered at 23 weeks, at 28 weeks, at 40 weeks, they will die. And women at the moment who choose to continue with the pregnancy in couples, they get the full compassionate care in our country. Now, in the future, with with the law, they'll be able to get uh, termination. They'll be able to deliver early. In, in the country. Women who have terminations because they're sick or because they're going to die, they will be in the hospitals. Uh, and there won't be that many of them. We've seen with the Protection of Life and Pregnancy Act, roughly around 2025 a year. So there isn't going to be an explosion. And scaremongering about the floodgates opening and all that sort of stuff have not proven true with the divorce referendum, the child referendum, And, and, and in your own mind, now that we're post-campaign, mm. you know, I'm, I'm very minded of the analogy with Brexit. People thought, OK, the Brits voted for Brexit, albeit narrow majority. And it was only afterwards the complexity of customs union, Norway, mm. Turkey, and all sorts of different tariffs and, and complications for aviation and education and all uh, came into it. Mm. Is there anything in your mind which you think would be problematic in developing a clinical protocol? Or is there so much international experience on this that it should be relatively straightforward? There's so much international experience that it will be relatively straightforward. And again, you mentioned Brexit, but look, we've been talking about British law that Irish women have been accessing for yonks. And now we're talking about Brexit. We need to talk about these things in our own country and grow up and behave as an adult country like the rest of European countries and deal with these issues ourselves. And we will have genuine Irish law to deal with it. And do you think we'll reach a settled position or maybe in five years' time the issue might be revisited by politicians? Because that was enabled by yesterday's result. Well, I think one of the good things about legislation is that it's flexible. And whereas something that's in the Constitution is inflexible, it's absolutely rigid. And that's what's got us to this stage. And that's why we had to have all those other referendums to deal with travel and information and so on. So the beauty of legislation is that it's flexible and it can change. All right. My thanks to Dr. Peter Boylan, Chairman of the Institute of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists, and leaving aside all his uh, professional qualifications, one of the most calm people I've seen (laughs) under pressure. Very reassuring. Congratulations on the result. We wish you well, and you certainly were a 
very, very informative figure to many people who are confused or uncertain about the uh, issues at stake. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, Adam. Ireland Decides with Ivan Yates.